If you work in historic preservation long enough, inevitably the question comes up, do you believe in ghosts? For today's guest, Mindy Burgoyne, she's made a career of telling those stories, and on this week's PreserveCast, we'll find out if she believes. Sit back and leave a light on, because we're talking historic ghosts on this year's Spooktacular PreserveCast. From Preservation Maryland Studios in the historic podcast district of Baltimore, this is PreserveCast! This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we are joined by Mindy Burgoyne, who is a travel writer, blogger, author, tour operator, and speaker. Her focus is traveling within the context of a story to mystical and magical places that stir the mind and spirit. Her tour company has three subsidiaries, Chesapeake Ghost Walks, a cluster of 10 regional ghost walks on the eastern shore of Maryland, Thin Places Mystical Tours, annual tours and travel services to the mystical and sacred sites in Ireland, and Travel Hag Adventures, a travel club for girlfriends. Mindy, it is a pleasure to have you with us here today on PreserveCast. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So this is super exciting. You know, it's if, if we always get questions about ghosts and ghost tours and historic haunted places, and uh, I am not well equipped to answer those questions. So we needed to get an expert on who deals in all things ghostly. And so that's why uh, we, we sought you out. You uh, come with high regard and uh, excellent reputation for the tours that you put on. So how does someone get, before we get into all that, though, how does someone get into this line of work? What took you in this direction and, and how did you make the decision to open up this kind of tour company? Well, reluctantly, that's how I did it. <laughs> Very reluctantly. I moved uh, to the Eastern Shore, Somerset County, which is the, the farthest south you can go in Maryland on the other side of the Chesapeake Bay in a very rural area north of Crisfield um, about, I guess, in 2002. And I moved into a, a Victorian house, a historic home. And I don't think my husband and I ever had, had even talked about haunted stuff or ghosts. We didn't have an opinion, you know, one way or the other. But once we moved into this house, things started to happen things that were unexplained. Um, and you, when, the thing about paranormal activity is that if it's just you experiencing one, one person, your brain really, your conscious mind really works very well to convince you that it didn't happen. And that's kind of how we say sane. You know, you think, oh, I heard that. And then a few minutes later, your mind will be telling you, no, you didn't. No, it's probably this, it's probably that. People are going to think you're crazy if you say that. So, you know, don't share it. And you, you help yourself through these things with your conscious mind. But when two people at the same time experience it, and then our children, our grown children, would come over and they would experience things that were frightening, not just a door slamming or footsteps on the hallway, but being pushed or having the chandelier sway or very loud noises, doors that were locked becoming unlocked, locks that were never locked becoming locked and we don't even have keys to these doors so that terrified us and that's a long story in itself but i became i was a writer and i became curious about other people having these experiences to 
try and really get help. And remember, this is in 2002, and that was way before any of this ghost stuff was popular. <laughs> you couldn't find a psychic medium. Now, you know, they're everywhere. But uh, so in, in finding out, uh, in talking to other people, I began collecting stories and developing a real fascination with, with these um, kind of unexplained events and, and how do we explain them or do we have to explain them or what are people saying that they are? And I started to collect stories. And I had written two little uh, Arcadia books, which are kind of like those picture books. I wrote one about Snow Hill and one East, and I knew the publisher at Arcadia. And she called knew me, and she said, can you write these books? And, I, and so I wrote those two little books. So History Press called me and said, hey, would you write a book for us because you've written for Arcadia? And I pitched this haunted idea, and they had a haunted series, and I proposed the book Haunted Eastern Shore, and they accepted the proposal, and I used the folklore collection at the NAB Center at Salisbury University to gather stories. I collected about 75 stories, but 19 of them in this book. The book was published, and it was a tremendous success. And it had a Facebook page, and people on Facebook were asking me, do you do tours, do you do tours? And I would say, no, you don't need me to do the tour because most of these are public places. Just get the book. Read the book. Drive there. Then you have a tour. <laughs> so I finally... After a year of people asking me to do tours, thought maybe I should do tours. And, and so, so I, that's kind I tried, of the I tried that out. <laughs> that's the history there. And I mean, I guess uh, in 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 many cases, people try and create a market for whatever product it is that they're selling. But in your case, the market came to you. So I guess that's always a good sign when people are beating on the door, say, "Please take my money." So that's you know. Yeah, there's... I, I guess I found a hole in the market at the time. There was um, there was nobody really doing anything like that. Now you can't turn on. You know, if you look at any cable news, cable guide, anyone, any time of the day, there is always something about ghosts on, on every minute of every day. So it's a popular subject, and there is not a, there was a lot of demand, not a lot of supply. So, yeah, I, I was doing bus tours at first, and then in 2013, I decided to do walking tours, and I wrote one a month from January all the way up to November and got my tours, and they were all successful, and I did the tours and the next year I hired guides and we, it just took off and I wrote three more books. So how many tours you give us a sense? I mean, just kind of ballpark. We have 11 walking tours. You have 11 walking tours and how many times are they done a year? Like how many? Every weekend. We do tours every weekend from, well, we do tours February to December. So January is the only month that we don't do tours. When it's too cold to walk, we do bus tours. So the walking tours start in April and they actually go through December because people will walk. So you have hundreds December. or thousands of people every thousands. year? Thousands. Thousands of people. It's definitely in the thousands. And we still have our bus tour products and we do private tours. You know, people will do for special events, you know, they'll get their friends together and they can pick any town. We have 11 towns and we also added last year paranormal investigations. So we now do paranormal investigations um, where we have a team of investigators and people can come and watch that process and participate in it if they want to. That's very different than a tour. And that's one thing I found a, a need in the market for. And, and it's such a wonderful thing for our historic properties because it, the paranormal investigations, lots of people want to be scared and they want to conjure a ghost because that's what they see on TV. You know, they watch ghost hunters or ghost adventurers and they're conjuring. They're, they're calling out. We, that's not what our tours are. You know, our tours are historic they are, you learn the history and the mystery. So you, you get to walk through the whole town, you learn the town's history, and then you also learn about the unexplained events 
and then you learn what people are saying today about them. So we we all believe in this stuff, all the guides. I mean, we don't hire guides that don't believe in ghosts. Um, and we're all captivated by the mystery. But it's not conjuring. We we know that there's a need for that. And so we do the paranormal investigations. And we've started to pick up some real historic properties that have known sort of ghostly stories associated with them. And while they can't be on a walking tour because they may be out in the hinterlands, they can be part of the paranormal investigation and still um, get exposure that way. Not necessarily to the, you know, there's, obviously it's exposure for spirit activity, but it, but the people that attend <clears throat> these things also get the history of the place and they get to spend a whole two hours there kind of taking in the history as well as the paranormal activity. So I've got a lot of questions. I mean, I guess one of them sort of the big picture question since we're the preservation organization here, but something I wanted to pull out from what you just said was that there is a value because you, you are able to tell sort of the, the known documented history in addition to, and I think that that's really where ghost tours can, personally, I think that that's where ghost tours can have a real value because you pull people in because they want these ghost stories and you still give them that and tell them that component of it, but you're also providing a needed service and just providing history tours, which otherwise probably wouldn't be as popular. Do you, do you feel like you're sort of playing a service in that sense? Um, well, sure we are. I mean, we definitely are. It's funny in the world of historic properties, there are some historic properties like Furnace Town, Living Heritage Museum is, is a good example in Snow Hill or Poplar Hill in Salisbury, Linchester Mill in Caroline County, where they, they love us to come and bring those people and tell the history and the mystery. I mean, they're not really interested in the ghost stories. I'm talking about the people, the nonprofits that run these places. But they're so interested in having new people <clears throat> that might not you know, come to a history tour, come and see their place and, and see the history that they've interpreted. So it's a great value to them. And, then, and yet there are other historic properties I won't name where the boards or the um, nonprofits feel that it degrades the integrity, the historic value to say it has a ghost. And we've been asked to actually not come to those places. So what is that, Mindy? Is that just like sort of like caught? Is that like a almost sort of like a religious value that's kind of just a part of become part of that, that site or are they taking themselves too seriously? What is it? I think it's this. I think that one of the things you find out when you're researching unexplained events and, and personally, from a personal standpoint, I reject all of the logical theories. You know, when you, you have, if, if you, what just the most common thing somebody says is I heard Footsteps on a stairway is probably, I've collected hundreds of stories, and I'll bet you that is the most common story. I heard somebody coming up the steps and there was no one there. I heard the door slam, there's no one there. So academics are oftentimes, people that are highly educated have been using their left brain for so long um, that they can't accept something that is not logical. And they believe in their heart of hearts that everything has a logical explanation. And there is no room for mystery. There just isn't any room for it. And so if they've worked so hard, whether they're archaeologists or they're architects or, the, or they're historians, or they worked really hard to preserve the integrity of a, a building. And someone comes in and says, hey, here's this illogical thing I'm going to throw out there that also may be of interest. Because they can't accept that. They can't um, believe that somebody could, you know, they think that detracts, that, that that's just nonsense. It's silly and we're serious here. Right. So I think that's what it's about. I think it's just a matter of 
of being highly educated and thinking that anything that is not logical is wrong and silly and stupid. That's what I think it's about. And there are others that work really hard and they say, well, we're trying to raise a lot of money. We want to get all these people to see our, our great work. <laughs> and they look at it from a more practical standpoint and are grateful to have the new people there. Yeah, because ghost tours today are sort of what historic site tours of the you know 50s and 60s were. I mean, they were very popular then and you know they've kind of fallen out of fashion. But if there's a way to get people back in and engaged, um, it seems like it's at least something to, worth exploring, um, particularly if you know, if, if you're able to kind of play both sides where you, you tell the history side and then you also provide this side. And you mentioned too, and you sort of just mentioned it there briefly, but that you went to um, the to a center on the Eastern Shore for that was collecting folklore. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about that, oh, like yeah. what that place is? No, that's, a, that's an amazing place. Um, it's in Salisbury University. Years ago in the 70s, there was a, a, a professor who taught folklore. And she sent her students out to collect stories all over the shore. And they were all kinds of stories. I mean, they weren't just haunted stories. There might be how people made jam, how they celebrated Christmas, how they, you know, herbal medicinal things. But there was a lot in that collection, a lot of the people that collected haunted stories. And all of the folklore that was collected by these students is housed in the library system at SU. So in the NAB Research Center, is is right there on campus and this folklore collection lives there and you i mean it's pictures and it's family uh documents and newspaper articles and then it's the commentary from these students and i spent months going there every monday night after work and photocopying every single haunted uh story about the eastern shore that was in that collection that i could find and and i presume there were there were a lot yeah, I mean, it was things that, that nobody ever put together before, like uh, like the Pocomoke Forest. Um, I discovered that there was so much about that forest and it being haunted that there were two dissertations written. <laughs> there was, I'm not dissertations. They were they were master's theses the, about the haunted Pocomoke Forest, the haunted legacies. That forest it has more a more haunted legacy than any other forest in Maryland. I mean, it goes back 200 years, people saying there were things in this forest. So that I found to be amazingly interesting. You know, who knew that? We all knew there were stories, but who knew when you actually put together collections of stories and folklore collections that are out there, there's so much about that one forest and that river that is that that is associated with the paranormal or unexplained events. Um, or Tickle Mansion and Princess Anne. There was a ton of stuff about that and Holly Hall up in um, Elkton. I think there was an entire folder just on Holly Hall and a tremendous military story that goes along with the haunting and a tomb and family tomb. So if you, the net, that's accessible by anybody. Anybody can go there and you, you, know, you do have to pay to get in or become a member and you should become a member because that's supporting them. And I'm a big advocate for membership to that organization. But that recounts the history and culture of the Delmarva Peninsula. And the folklore collection is just one piece of it. They're a big genealogical center as well. And, uh, and there's so many gifted people that work in there that can just tell you anything you want to know. I mean, um, there's lots of stuff to, that you can use in there to, to kind of go back and calculate chronological events even um, that there that you don't find in books. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. I think for people to hear this, I mean, there's, there's probably some less reputable 
ghost uh, storytellers out there, but having this conversation with you is very interesting to hear the amount of research and, and dedication to really the, the history and the legacy of these places that went into the background work for your tours and, and obviously for the books. And I want to talk about the books here in a second, but before we leave the tours, um, just sort of like rapid fire questions. Um, do you feel like there's a most historic town on, on the shore or one that you deal with that you just think is a, a high concentration of haunted history? Yeah, I'll just give you three. Um, Cambridge has the most haunted street. And I, I can't imagine there's an, even in Annapolis or Frederick, there's no street as haunted as High Street. Now, saying haunted is relative, but that has 14 properties in two blocks that have haunted stories or paranormal stories from hundreds of years ago to the near the recent future and the recent the present time and are continuing now into the future like actively haunted properties high street so that's the street that james missioner used as a setting for chesapeake an incredibly historical street and it's it's got everything from you know a crazy cat lady to <clears throat> wilhelmina goldsboro who was an in-law of governor charles goldsboro you know, these, um, and a floating ghost that goes back to the Redcoats. I mean, so there, it's a real long legacy of ghost stories on that street. And then probably our mo- we call our most disturbing tour is Princess Anne. And Princess Anne has some harsh content on that tour. But it's such a popular tour because of the stories and the pictures that people get and the paranormal experiences they have. One of the properties is the police station. So sometimes the police officers, if they're outside, you know, they'll talk to the guests about some things that have happened in there. And then certainly our rock star tour is Pocomoke because we take them into that forest at night. And again, we've had people that report uh, that they've been touched or they've been nudged or they've seen an apparition or you've got strange sort of phantom lights going on in that forest. So those would be the ones I think that um, really shine through. St. Michael's is also very, very focused on maritime activities and women. I mean, the spirits that we research for are uh, an amazing number and percentage of women. It's like 80% or the, the hauntings are like crazy ladies. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm sufficiently scared now that we've started talking about that. About that so. Um, so why don't we talk, let me transition real quick here before I get too scared to the books. So just so people know, like, what have you written? Um, where can they get them? Anything that you're working on? Tell us a little bit about the book side of this whole, this whole uh, industry that you've put together. I've written four books on the haunted Eastern Shore, all published by the History Press. One was one, the first one that I proposed. And then once we get the tours going, there, I, you know, I could see that there was a need, especially in Ocean City, for people to have something to take home after they've been on the Ocean City or Berlin tour. And so I proposed Haunted Ocean City, and then I thought, well, if I do Ocean City, I might as well do one about the midshore, which would be, you know, Denton and Easton and Cambridge. And... Um, that St. Michael's, those four up in that region have a lot of stories. Maybe we could write a book about them and those guests could buy that book. And then my third proposal was the Lower Shore, which was Worcester, Wicomico, Somerset counties, the towns that we do there. And I proposed three books and they took it and I wrote one a year. And so there's a set of three that does the whole shore. And then the first book, which was kind of Elkton down to Somerset County. And anything on the horizon working on your next Oh gosh, you know, I, 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 I honestly, the, the next book I would really like to do is is one that just focuses on Maryland itself. I'm, I've, I've done a lot on the shore. I'd love to write a book that kind of incorporated some of the um, 
you know, the military history, places like Annapolis and Frederick and the uh, out there near Antietam, the stories that that they have are just so fascinating. And the apparitions that are still being seen just at Cumberland, that's another another place that doesn't have a lot of military hauntings, but very, very interesting stories about um, the old town and the downtown. So maybe I, I might propose something that does like a Maryland. Now, a lot of people have done Maryland ghosts, but my, my perspective is a little different. I'm it, I have a definite formula, and I think I have a fan base that would probably make it worthwhile. So if people want to pick up the books, they look on Amazon, I guess, probably the simplest place to find you, or where's the best no, way to they do need this? To go, they need to go to their local bookstore. They need to go to the local bookstore. <laughs> okay. Because we need to support our local bookstores. Um, well, of course, it's uh, the Eastern Shore books are only in the local Eastern Shore, but they're in Annapolis as well. But yeah, you can go to Amazon. Um, if you want to find one, you can go to our website. We sell them, um, and I've you know I've signed them, and people get them for gifts. And but where Amazon is that website? Has them. It is Chesapeake Ghosts, plural ChesapeakeGhosts.com. There's a link right there for books, and you can order them right online, and they'll be shipped to you with me signed. And I can we can make them out to we can personalize them if you want. And if people want to learn more about going on a ghost tour, let's say they've got a trip coming up to, um, you know, the the shore and they're going to be in, you know, a number of different towns or they're going to be staying in, you know, Easton or they're in St. Michael's, is, is ChesapeakeGhost.com the best place to go to find that? Right. It is. And anywhere you're on the shore, anywhere on the shore up to Chestertown, there's a ghost tour near you on the weekend somewhere. So we don't do all of the tours every weekend, but we do a combination. So there's always one nearby and you can, you can get to it on a Friday or Saturday night. And I also mentioned in the intro here in your bio that you do international tours as well. Can they find that information I there? Do. Maybe in a nutshell, what are those tours look at? Yeah, there's a, there's a link there. Um, and the, my, the other tour company is Thin Places Tours. I do tours to Ireland and Scotland. Ireland really in the UK, they're group tours um, and they go, they go to mystical places. So places that are off the beaten path, nobody goes to like, you know, passage tombs and stone circles, these megalithic structures that, you know, are, they've got a lot of integrity um, and they're very interesting. And the focus is the earth energy, the connection to the landscape, the spirit of the landscape. Very cool. Well, before we go in the, in the spirit of the season, and I, I just have to ask, do you have a favorite ghost story from the shore? Like, is there a favorite, is there a favorite, favorite haunting that, or one that you kind of think is sort of emblematic of the kind of stories that you tell? Yes. Oh my God, there's so many. Um, I know. It's like asking you to pick your favorite child, but. <laughs> no, my, yeah, I, I think Cambridge is, is my favorite tour. I, Ocean City and Cambridge are the ones I like. Ocean City, all that, all the stories are happy. You know, they're all happy because people, because it's vacation land. But in Cambridge, you know, one of my favorite stories and one that just terrifies me too is about the Josiah Bailey house. So it's the oldest house in Cambridge. It was actually built in Annapolis and then dismantled and brought over. So it's, you know, it's a late 18th century house. And it has a story of a woman who lived there not too long ago, like two owners back. She's now passed away. But her daughter told me the story that when they moved in there, everything was, you know, empty except the attic. And when they went in the attic, there was this cheval mirror and her mother brought it down. It was left over from the previous owners. 
Um, so this is a mirror that's on a stand, like a full-length mirror that swings on a stand, and she put it in her bedroom. And lots of things happened in that house, cold spots and apparitions, strange noises. It had a haunted history of having the red coat soldier seen through a window. Um, so they knew about the haunted history, but they were disturbed when this mother started seeing the face of a little girl in that mirror. So she'd look in the mirror and she'd see behind her this child. And then the child would vanish quickly. She only ever saw it in the mirror. And it so terrified the mother that she had to put the mirror upstairs. She then began seeing the child's face with her mirrors. So she just covered up the mirrors, you know, and they just kind of lived like that. And I think that's uh, when I stand outside that house and tell that story, the new owner that's in there now has renovated the house so beautifully and has lovingly restored it and she says that, you know, there's no Cheval mirror in there, but, um, and that she loves the house and has wonderful energy, but she, there are times when she feels those cold spots and she, she senses that the spirits are still there. Well, that is a perfect description and a perfect example of how fantastic these tours are and the great work that you're doing out on the shore. Chilling. And, uh, I think anybody who, uh, appreciates that kind of story and that kind of history um, after having heard that is going to want to rush out and get on one of your tours here in the near future. Before we go, um, favorite historic place or site? Perhaps an even more difficult question than, than narrowing down your favorite ghost tour. I think the Atlantic Hotel in Berlin. Mm-hmm. That is still actively haunted. Lots of stuff still happens there. It's such a when you walk through the doors of the Atlantic Hotel, when you walk inside that hotel, there is a, a warmth, a feeling that just comes over you. And as you walk up the stairs, you can be every step, you can begin to feel a little bit more the presence of the spirits that are in that place. And I know all the stories, so that, that kind of lives in my memory. But it's an actively haunted place that has such a sweet energy, and it's in such a wonderful setting. So I, I just love going there. I think it's a fantastic answer and it's been a pleasure having you on today mindy thanks for all the all the great answers and all the great work that you're doing out there um and for taking time to join us here today on PreserveCast. well um, thank you so much for inviting me it's been fun thanks for listening to PreserveCast. to dig deeper into this episode's show notes and all previous episodes visit PreserveCast.org. You can also find us online at Facebook and Twitter at PreserveCast. This program was supported by the Historic Preservation Education Foundation. PreserveCast is produced by Preservation Maryland in Baltimore City. Thanks again for your support, and remember to keep preserving.